This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Brett Cooper, how are you? Mark, I'm doing great today. Thanks. How are you? I'm tremendous. Thank you for being part of the show. I'm really excited about the show today because we're going to talk about people and uh, uh, annoying people and what you can do about them and how you can be a less annoying person. But before we get started, who in the world is Brett Cooper and what do you do? Well, you, you, you kind of touched on it a little bit already, Mark, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, here's the summary. I help people build work relationships that really work. There are really three research findings that drive me to do what I do. The first is that over two-thirds of employees say they're not highly engaged at work. Second is that people who work for managers with low emotional intelligence are four times more likely to leave their organization than the people who work for managers with high emotional intelligence. And the third, across the board, people are put into leadership roles many years before they get any kind of training on leadership, emotional intelligence, uh, how to create a team dynamic. So if you ask me, those three statistics tell a story. There's a story about a people problem. And I personally think this is a problem that's worth trying to solve. So I spend my days trying to help leaders, teams, and really entire organizations build work relationships that really work. Well, boy, you gave us a lot to think about right then and there. And I really appreciate that because I, the last job I was in corporate America and I was fired from in July of 2005, my manager was, how can I describe this gentleman? Um, he was the type of person that would starch his jeans and his shirt. And the only thing he knew really well was the policy. And he was the kind of guy that if you came to an idea, he would shoot it down. And then when you have the a group meeting with his superiors there, he'd say, I got this great idea. And it'll be your idea. And he'd never give you credit for it. Um, he had no business being in a supervisory role or a manager role. And I can't help but wonder if they didn't put him there to get him out of the way. Because, you know, some people are put in manager roles to get out of the way. And he was not a very nice guy. You couldn't talk to him. Uh, if, you, For example, if, if I went to him with a PTO, which stands for personal, personal time off, he goes, what are you going to do? I, I'm, I'm sorry. It's called personal time off. I don't have to tell you where I'm going or what I'm going to do. I want to know. I'm like, so this is the kind of guy I work for. And I think it was such a blessing. I was fired from that job because had I not, I may not have this podcast. I may not be a productivity expert. So it was a blessing in disguise. But at the time I was really rather angry. Well, I'll tell you what, and that sets up, I think, our conversation rather well, because one of the things that I really believe in and what I really try people to understand, get to understand, two things when you're trying to solve the people problem. First, you need to understand the differences when, in the people around you. And second, you need to honor those differences. Mm -hmm. So in, in all of the work that I do, it's about helping people first take a look in the mirror and really understand, hey, how are they coming across to the world? The good and the bad and the ugly. <laughs> but also not to just stop there because so many so many folks like like the leader you were just talking about, he might have some uh self-awareness, but he probably had the idea of saying, "Hey, this is my way, this is the way I'm going to go." And he yep. didn't take the time to understand the differences between him and you. He didn't take the time to understand how do you like to be communicated with, and he didn't honor those. And so in, 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 in what I believe is the thing that all of us can do, especially leaders, is you have to focus on both those things. You have to focus on yourself and you have to focus on others because it's a two-way street. 
Mm-hmm. Our relationship didn't get started off on the right foot because he was <laughs> he was raised from the South. I'm originally from Rochester, New York. He believes you always call people ma'am and sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. And I didn't do that. And he goes, we're going to have a problem. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, what? Because I was like, like, I think a couple weeks in the job, I'm like, we're going to have a problem. He goes, I was raised. I'm like, first of all, I don't care how you were raised. Okay. You're my manager. You're not my father. And he just said, this is the way I was raised. This is the way we do things down here. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. This is going to be a rough relationship. I knew it from the get go because he was the type of person that really didn't honor the differences. As you said, he didn't really want to know what other people's idea was. It was his ideas were the best and he had all the answers and you were stupid. And there's a reason why we had a lot of high theft in the, in the warehouse. Cause I was an offsite where I was an offsite inventory control coordinator at the hospital and no one trusted him. No one liked him because of the way he treated people. I mean, leaders, come on. If you treat people like crap, crap, you could say crap on the show. Um, if you treat them like crap, uh, I won't inside joke. Uh, uh, Brent was telling me how he got, he got his mouth washed out with uh, soap for saying the word crap when he's a youngster. And I was going to say crud. And I said, crap, I said, this is my show. So just want the listener to know why, why we're laughing there. Um, when you treat people like crap, you can't be a surprise when they don't respect you, when they don't honor you, when they, when they try to sabotage you because you're not treating them with respect to begin with. Yeah, well, in 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 my opening, I had made uh, the I think it was the third stat that I mentioned that was that people are put into leadership roles many years before they get the training. This is actually a statistic that came from Zinger Folkman, big training company, and what they found the specifics of that was people on average get their first leadership role at twenty eight years, and then can you guess, Mark, how old they are when they get their their first training on leadership? According to this this study, I'm going to say thirty one. Yeah, according to this study, it was 42. What? There was a 14-year gap in their uh, in their population. Now, my guess is that for a lot of us, it isn't 14 years. But even if it's two, three, four, five years, what the heck kind of job do you, do you get put into and then say, hey, figure it out by yourself for a few years, and then we'll tell you how to do it. So I would argue that the gentleman that you worked for in the, uh, in the warehouse – Maybe he was a victim of exactly this. You know, the, 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 the leadership skills, the behaviors that enable you to engage and really uh, get people really invigorated about work. Those aren't just natural things. And we shouldn't expect people just because you grow up in the North or the South or the East or the West, or you got good parents, you don't have good parents, that everybody all of a sudden comes into the workforce and says, hey, I'm a master leader. I know all this stuff, right? There's so much research out there that says, hey, these are the things that you need to do as a leader that will enable you to be more effective, to create more engaged employees, and ultimately build a more uh, productive team. And you know, there's research out there. Let's use that research and let's teach people these things. You know, I think a lot of thing, one of the things that's missing in our society as a whole, not just in corporate the world, uh, is respect. Now, I may not agree with you, but I respect you as a human being. Okay. So we have in, in America, we have Democrats and Republicans. We have left and right. We have conservative and liberal. But listen, you know, I'm a conservative. But if I'm driving down the road, and this will never happen, but let's say Nancy Pelosi's got a flat tire. She won't drive her own car. I would still help her because she's a human being. If you remember, if you're in America, you remember what happened on September 11, 2001. What happened on September 12th? We all came together. 
black, right. white, orange, green, purple, doesn't matter who you are. We came together and we are so far removed from that now. And we're human beings. What I think is ironic is that if we were invaded by Martians, where all those human beings would come together. But but when we're not having a, a crisis like that, we're all fighting each other. And I'm like, listen, we need to start getting back to respecting with each other. When I, I grew up in 19, I was born in 1965, grew up in the late 60s, 70s and 80s. And I was told you respect people. You may not agree with them, but you respect them because everyone is different. Like you said, everyone has different parents, different upbringings, different places they grew up in. And I think we need to get back to respect, which I think is so sorely, sorely lacking in the world today. Yeah, you actually brought up two things uh, in that that I, I, I want to jump on. The, the the first is if if we as a people don't have a common goal, right? We don't have a something that's bringing us together. The differences come out. The splinters come out. That is true at the country level. It's also true at the team level. And I know we have a lot of leaders listening to this, a lot of entrepreneurs, small business owners, managers that run teams of people. If you are not helping your team all kind of see the end finish line, know where you're going together, you're a whole lot more likely to see those splinters in your team. So as a leader, you really need to be inspiring that shared vision. Hey, team, here's where we're going. Everybody's going to have their role in doing that, but here's where we're trying to go and here's how we're going to be successful. So I mean, that, that's something that that uh, from, from your comment about 9-11 you can use that at the team level. The other thing that I wanted to, that your your comment sparked another statistic. I'm I'm big on research. Sixty two percent of workers blame the negative conflict that they experience at work on personality differences. Mm. How crazy is that? It's like okay, you're a, you're a different personality. You're fast paced or you're slower paced or you're you know really accepting of new ideas or you're a little more skeptical. You know, you want to tell me about your private life or you don't. Those things should, you know, they're there and they should be understood, they should be honored. They shouldn't be the source of conflict. But 62% of the, uh, of, of workers out there say that's where I get my negative conflict. So yeah, if we can get people kind of understanding, Hey, those differences, that's going to bring value to your team. That's going to enable your team to do better things when you have different perspectives, you know, and, and I mean, this goes for anything doing, uh, to do with diversity, right? Where all this folks now on diversity, racial diversity, gender diversity, I'd argue that personality and communication style diversity is also part of that conversation. The more that we can understand how people show up and what it's going to take to communicate effectively with them, let's bring that in and let's all get better together. Hey there, it's Mark, and I want to invite you to become a Mark Stucheski Insider and get the top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs absolutely free. It all happens over at MrProductivity.com. My favorite manager, who is a supervisor, was I worked for a steel factory up in Rochester, New York, called Faudler, and it was a union shop. Okay, so yeah. most of the people in there were... I will say cold, old and crusty. I could say that because they're probably most of them are gone now because this is like years ago. <laughs> and it was a union shop. So what happened was is the people who came in who are the least senior, senior people. They would bring, had to bring, in order to bring me in on a weekend for overtime, they had to bring in all the people above me. 
Okay. Cause they know those guys wouldn't do any work. Well, I remember one time that there was a big problem in the warehouse. I don't know what the problem was, but my manager came walking down the steps and I was sitting at the sink, wash my hands or something like that. And he goes, look, I gotta, I gotta talk to the, the, the guys. Okay. Cause they're all guys. And he goes, I'm going to yell at them because we've got a ba- major problem, but I know for you, I will come and talk to you about it separately. So just like, just tune me out because I, I know he knew how, um, to talk to me. So if we went yell at the guys, cause that's what motivated the guys with me, whether I'm playing little league soccer or I'm on a team in a corporation, if you yell at me, I'm shutting down. You mm-hmm. need to talk to me like a grown adult. And he did that. He came over to me and says, okay, here's the problem. Even if I totally messed up, he would talk to me as a professional. Now, I was a little bit differently. I was going through their, you know, college reimbursement programs. I was going to get a degree and I had a different mentality about I want to be in the union for the rest of my life and retire. I wanted to, you know, better myself. So I was a different mindset. But what really impressed me is that he knew how to talk to each person. Now, his job was pretty easy because 99% of the people he had to yell at to get motivated. And here's Mark over here. He had to talk professionally. But I really appreciate that because he would get to know you. And I never forgot that guy's name. If he's listening to the show, his name's Mike Colty. I really appreciate him because he was the kind of guy who got to know you and how to talk to you. Yeah, that that's an example right there of high emotional intelligence. Leaders that have higher emotional intelligence and understand how to communicate with everybody on their team just perform so much better, and they equip their team members to perform better. I'm a big fan of a of a book of a research study on leadership called the Leadership Challenge. Uh, it was it was first published 30 years ago by Jim Cousins, Barry Posner. They're continuing the research. Matter of fact, they're on the sixth edition now. Fantastic book, but what this book does is it outlines the five things that leaders do more uh, more frequently. Uh, if you're going to be a successful leader, you do five things frequently. You be a good role model, you inspire a shared vision, you challenge the process, you enable others, and you encourage others. And what you're talking about right there, Mark, is really around that enabling and encouraging. And if you're a leader and you are going to encourage people on your team, you can't assume that, let's say you have 10 people on your team. You can't assume that all 10 of them are going to be encouraged in the same way. You commented on, hey, some people do react uh, well to a little bit more you know, aggressive. Hey, come on, let's go. Others, you need a little bit calmer. And, and it, it's not even just in that trying to get the team to act. I would argue things like when you are rewarding somebody or recognizing somebody, uh, my my colleague and co-author of of our our new book, Evans, he um, he tells a story that when he was a young manager, he was trying to uh, reward one of the women on his team, and they had to do this big presentation in front of the the boss and and a whole bunch of po- folks on the leadership team. Well, he thought, hey, I'm going to let her give a key part of this presentation. You know, I'm going to show my my belief in her and I'm going to basically encourage her and, you know, reward her for doing such a great job by putting her on stage in front of the, the big boss. When he told her that, she <laughs> melted down. She started crying. And he's like, what, 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 what are you doing? She's like, oh, I don't want to do that. It turns out this, this is before he was all that emotionally intelligent. This is before he, he's, he took the journey, uh, on his career that he's gone on, but he didn't really recognize that for her, that was scary. And that was the least 
of of a reward. That would that. Why are you doing this to me? I thought you liked me. I thought I was doing a good job. Why why are you punishing me? So you know, as a leader, you really need to understand what people on your team are going to be. You know how they're going to react and how they want to communicate. And if you can do that. It enables you to really embrace leadership as a relationship because that's what it is, right? It's a relationship with everyone you have on your team. Now, we've all heard that we're all salespeople. Kids are the best salespeople when you go to the grocery store, the toy store. So most of my audience is entrepreneurs, not all of it, most of it, are entrepreneurs or more specifically solopreneurs. Can they be leaders as well? Absolutely. Le- leadership is not a title. I, I, I view leadership as a verb, right? It's to lead. Are you leading people? If you are a salesperson, are you leading you know, your clients, your customers? If you are a, uh, heck, if, if, you're, if you're a preacher, are you leading your congregation? If you're a student, are you leading others on your project teams at school? It's about understanding people and understanding, hey, how can I help organize, influence other people to kind of work together to achieve big things? And you know, so if you're a solopreneur, small business owner, yeah, heck yeah, you can be a leader. It's about understanding, you know, what are the behaviors, what are the actions that you can take to influence those around us? Uh, in in the research that's presented in the leadership challenge, one of the things that Jim Coos and Barry, Barry uh, Posner found is that the leaders that we are most influenced by are those closest to us. They, so they've asked the question, you know, hey, who who's your who's your greatest influencer? And I don't remember the exact number, but the majority was family members and direct managers, right? It's the people around us. People don't look to Steve Jobs or Mahatma Gandhi and say, you know, oh, that's, you know, that's that's really the where my I get my influence. No, you get your influence by the people around you. So if you uh just, you know, take a look around whatever your formal title is, but you take a look around, you see who are you interacting with? Well, anyone you're interacting with, you have the potential to be a leader to that person and influence them. So I'd say, you know, look at leadership as a verb, not as a noun. I, I love that. And as a matter of fact, uh, my wife and I are going to go to Tony Robbins UPW. And the one thing that was keeping me from going to it, it's four days of 15 to 16 hours, right? Yeah. And the reason why he does is, I finally found out why he does this, because he wants to completely immerse you. If you do a two, three hours in training, you're really not immersed doing it. And so he wants to get you really immersed. I'm thinking to myself, holy crap, 8 a.m. until midnight. If he has a short day, I'm like, oh my gosh. But he's got the saying I really love. I, I actually got a wallpaper on my phone that says, if you can't, you must. In other words, see, I, I can't give this presentation. Then you must give it. Oh, I can't lose weight. Then you must lose weight. And that phrase, if you can't, you must, really, really sticks around my head. But what I want to do with you right now, Brett, I want to get really tactical because you gave us a lot of information already, okay? But I'm a big fan of simplicity. I know some people, they may be out walking the dog, maybe out for a run, maybe on their plane, they're walking through the airport. And I want to give them some really simple ideas on how we can better understand people so they can solve people problems 
in their lives. And what I ask you to do is I want you to give us maybe one or two nuggets of something that without any excuses, people can do it today. I I want people to start taking action today. I don't want to say, oh, I could do that next week or when I get back from vacation or when I get home. I want them to start taking immediate action. So what are one or two things or something that we could do today that's going to start getting us a better understanding of how to deal with people? Yeah, I love that. Uh, the more practical we can be, the better. As a matter of fact, uh, Mark, I, th- I think you've checked out our book, Solving the People Problem. And in that, you know, we, we share stories and very practical advice of what people can do kind of right now. And so I would draw upon some of the ideas in the book. And I would say there are two categories that I would really encourage people to think about if they really want to understand and honor the differences in the people around us. And This is not rocket science by any means. The first is know yourself. And the second is know others. Now, those are broad. Let's make it specific. We talk about knowing yourself. It's not enough to just think, hey, these are my strengths and they're the best thing in the world. Think about how you come across to the world. So for me, Uh, I happen to be one of these fast-paced, big idea guys. And I used to think for a long time that, hey, the more ideas, the better, right? I'm just, hey, I'm an idea guy, so I'm just going to keep throwing ideas out to my team. Well, one time, someone on my team, we we were actually doing this exercise. um, We call it the appreciation seat, where it allows team members to give some feedback to people, both feedback on, hey, what you're doing to help us and some feedback that you're doing to slow us down. And one of my team members gave me the feedback of, hey, we love the fact that you're always ideating because you're thinking about the future. But you know what? The thing that you do that slows us down is you're always ideating, right? (laughs) We we figured out what we're doing and we're working on the project and you're already on to the next thing. So the the, the piece of advice I would have for people uh, here in a very tangible way is think about what you think your strengths are and consider, do you ever overuse them? Do you ever think there are times where you're interacting with other people and you think you're just doing your thing? but maybe you've put it on a little too strong. Maybe you've put it out there too much. Maybe the other person doesn't share that same kind of point of view. Mm. You know, again, going back to my personal uh, experience with that, again, I'm I'm a very extroverted, fast-paced, outspoken kind of person. <laughs> High energy. I am a, uh, what my, my, Again, Evans, my, my co-author, and I, he, he says that I am a talk it through kind of leader, right? The, the way I like to brainstorm is, Hey, let's, let's start bantering. And, you know, eventually mm-hmm. something will co- good will come out of this. Uh, Evans and some others on our team are very much the opposite of that. They are think it through leaders. Okay. And for a long time, I really struggled with those kinds of coworkers, because I'd get in a room and I'd be like, okay, hey, here's the question on the table. What do you think? Crickets, right? <laughs> Silence. And I used to think, hey, that's their problem. And what I realized is, no, that's my problem. They want to have a little bit of time to think it through. So I learned, okay, I need to put it out to them and then say, hey, let's come back tomorrow or a little bit later and let's get back to this. So bringing it back to the tip, understand what your strength is and just ask yourself, am I overusing this in any circumstance? So that'd be the first part of it. The second part on the knowing other styles, kind of the opposite. And, and you know, some of the stories that you shared uh, really, I think, scratch the surface of this, Mark, that if 
Next time that you are frustrated with a coworker, be it one of your direct reports, one of your bosses, just a colleague, take a pause, step back, and try to ask yourself, am I frustrated because they are actually doing something that is kind of absolutely unequivocally wrong? Or are they just doing something in a way that's different than the way that I would do it? And am I just getting frustrated because, well, that's not the way that I would do it. Because, you know, again, uh, in in all the work that we do, we talk a lot about personality styles and communication preferences. And and one of the things I always say is that every personality style is valid, is valuable, and is needed. And in fact, we're all kind of a mix. So we use DISC as our primary personality style index. Uh, I think it's great for teamwork and leadership, but if you're using MBTI or Enneagram or, or any of them out there, really, you have to understand that there's no good and bad in personality styles. It's just, that's, that's the way we're, we're wired. And so if you are getting frustrated with somebody else, if you're one of those 62% of people that say the negative conflict that you experience at work is because of the personality differences, I'd say, take a step back and ask yourself, is it right for me to be that frustrated? Or can I kind of take a breath and realize, hey, they're approaching it in a different way, but that's my issue. It's not their issue. Let me take a breath and kind of come back at this in a little bit different way and see if I can make the interaction more successful, more productive for both of us. Hey, I now have an affiliate program where you can earn up to 30% commission just for referring people to my paid program. To find out more, go to MrProductivity.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and click the link. Wow. Gold there. Absolute gold. And I thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to have to do, as we're going to, don't have to, we're going to uh, pivot over to Mike Swap. So if you don't Love know it. what, if you don't know what Mike Swap is, listener, uh, if you've never listened to a show before, thank you. Welcome. Uh, Mike Swap is where I let Brent be the temporary host of the show. And he can answer, ask me any question he wants to, other than my credit card or social security number. And if I don't know the answer, I will say I don't know the answer, but it's just kind of a fun way to end the show. So, Brett, you are the temporary host. It's all yours. Love it. Love it. So, Mark, you have over 800 podcasts recorded. You started this in 2017. Uh, last I checked, you have a 4.9 star rating on <laughs> Apple Podcasts. So I'd love to get some insights from what you've learned from the experience. So question number one, do you have a favorite episode? And if so, why is it your favorite? Okay. First of all, I'm not to 800 yet. I'm at 775, but we're okay, really almost, 800. Almost, almost 800. Almost 800. Yeah. Still a crazy number. My and by the way, as your, your favorite episode, besides this one, what oh. is your favorite episode? <laughs> let, me, let me just get that clear. There we go. We'll clarify that. Um, my favorite <laughs> episode is by a guy named John Beatty. Uh, he summited Mount Everest and I kind of geeked out over him the way some schoolgirls geek out over their boy bands. Um, I am super impressed with somebody who summited the highest peak on this planet. I mean, you know how, how what kind of a human being you have to be, man or woman, to go to the top of the the world, literally. And he told me a fantastic episode. I'll put the link to the episode in in the show notes because he almost didn't make it. He could see it, 
and he almost didn't make it. Now, I'm not going to tell you what happened. I mean, he did make it, obviously, but I'm not going to tell you what happened because fascinating story. He was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm talking about this. I'm like, I am. I can't believe you're on my show. So that was my favorite episode because to, to summit the highest point on this planet is no very few people have done it. And so I was that's my favorite episode by far. I, I love that, Mark. And, you know, people are amazing. The, the things that people, when they get focused, when they get passion, they can do amazing things. And I would argue that for so many of us, it doesn't even have to be scaling Mount Everest. You know, take that, use that as influence and find out, you know, hey, what do you want to do that's amazing in your own life and get after it? All right. So, so you just gave us the good. Let's talk about the bad and ugly for a moment. What's the worst thing that has happened on the show? Well, fortunately, I've been very blessed with a lot of great guests, but I did have a person about three years ago where I was not as seasoned as I am today. And I said, well, who are you, John Doe? And what do you do? They proceeded to talk for 20 minutes. And when, <laughs> and when they got done, I didn't say anything. And he goes, are you there? I'm like, yeah, but I can't use that. He goes, why? It's all important. I said, Mr. So-and-so, I said, the only people going to care about what you just said for 20 minutes is you and your mom. Okay. When I ask you who you are and what you do, I mean for you to put it in context for my listeners. So they know, are you an astronaut? Did you summit Mount Everest? Do you deal with helping people with people problems? Are you a hockey player? You know, not your life story from TNA to present day. And he goes, it's all important. I said, we would have gotten to that in the episode. Well, he got so mad at me. He said, well, forget it. I'm done. He hung up the phone. I'm like, okay, oh, whatever. Boy. But you know, people don't, they want to hear your story and how you can help them. They don't want to know your story from DNA to present day. Nobody, I don't care if you're Oprah Winfrey, you're not going to listen to a 14-hour podcast, okay? Well, maybe you would. But my point was that was probably the most frustrating point. And the, the close second is when people, like I have a zero talents for swearing on the show. Um, and it's funny that I had a lady on the show a couple, day, couple weeks ago, and she kept saying a D word. And to her, it wasn't a swear word. But I had to refor rephrase that and say, okay, don't say anything on the show that you wouldn't say in front of the Pope. Now people get that. Or if they show up without wearing, you know, wearing headphones or having a microphone, they'll show up with AirPods, which the, the, the audio quality is horrible. And I'm like, I tell you this stuff, as you know, Brett, I tell you yeah. this stuff. And I'm like, can you show up to me? And you're like, well, this is the way I do it. I'm like, not on my show because it's called the Mark Struchowski podcast. <laughs> it's not called the Jane Doe show. And so whenever I'm a guest on someone else's show, what are your rules? Now, the one thing I won't do on someone else's show, not that you ask me, if you say, well, I cuss like a sailor, I'm not going to cuss like a sailor. Okay, you can cuss, but I'm not going to cuss. I just, I don't cuss. So that's the good and the bad of the podcast. Love it. Great Love questions, it. by the way. No one's ever asked me that, so I really appreciate it. So the final question I have for you, and I know you have a couple things to share with us here. Where can we go to find out more about you and what you're up to in the world and this, this kind of uh, assessment you told me about you going to offer us? Yeah, yeah. So we've been talking all about how to understand and honor the differences in the people around you. And, and we touched a little bit uh, that this book that I just put out, uh, which happens to be the number one, according to Entrepreneur Magazine, the number one must-read book for 2021. Wow. I'm thrilled with that honor. I noticed your hair. This is an audio-only podcast, but I can see him on video. His head's getting bigger as he said those words. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I, I was not expecting anything quite like that. And I'm absolutely thrilled with the success of this book. Amazon bestseller, Entrepreneur Magazine, number one must read. It's called Solving the People Problem 
essential skills you need to lead and succeed in today's workplace. And it's a fantastic book for entrepreneurs, for leaders, and I would say anybody who works on a team. And so you can go to solvingthepeopleproblem.com. And if, if listeners look for the what's my disc EQ link, they just click on that and they can take this emotional intelligence survey that's going to give them not just a score of, you know, hey, where are you? But more importantly, more valuably, here's some things that you can do. Wherever, what, however you answer the questions, here are some, some, some pieces of, of uh, feedback, some ideas that you can use that are, are in response to how you answered. So everybody doesn't get the same thing. It's, it's tailored, but here are some things that you can do right now to improve the relationships that you have with those around you. So go to solvingthepeopleproblem.com, click the disc, what's my disc EQ link, and it does require an access code. I'd say we give them the access code Mark. Have them put Mark in there and, uh, then we'll know where they came from. If, uh, anybody wants to get in touch with me directly, you can reach me through solvingthepeopleproblem.com. I'm also on LinkedIn. Brett M. Cooper on LinkedIn. Now, for those of you listening in Canada, that's Mark with a K, not a C. Okay. Just want to. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Because when, when I'm on podcasts in Canada, they go, it's M-I-R-C, right? No, it's K. Okay. Boom. Okay. Uh, Brett, this has been uh, a great time with you. Um, thank you for matching my energy. Uh, uh, one, the mo- number one comment I get from people on my show, I'm like, I'm so exhausted now. You have so much high energy, but you matched me. You actually matched me toe to toe. Uh, I have such high energy and I feel sorry for my guests. You have low energy and they're like, do like, uh, they're like running a marathon trying to keep up, but the, you did fine. So thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. This is a blast. I had a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. I really hope it served you well today. Now head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Sign up to be a free Mark Stuchowski insider. Get my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs. Absolutely free. It's my gift to you. And until tomorrow, my friend, go be productive.